you seen Dave Savory's fucking new video today? Uh, <laughs> I'm in what? it. Isn't I? Yeah, well, I didn't yeah. get that far because it. Um, I, my phone kept ringing. Just he's ripped, mugging he's you off. ripped the piss out of me yeah. as well. <laughs> with like, on his video of me making him, he goes, he thinks he likes fucking ingots. What a twat. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. That's what you get, though, Nick. That's what you yeah, get. That's fair. Hello, sorry about this break in the action. Um, it's just a quick reminder that I've got my own podcast, the Fat Sam Podcast. Fat Sam Podcast, look for that logo. It's on Apple, iTunes, well, it's the same thing. Um, Spotify, YouTube, the lot. You'll be able to get it anywhere you get your podcast from. Uh, and it's basically just me talking to other trades who have an interesting story. Or we go deep on subjects that matter to the industry. So, without further ado, let's get back to the action. This episode is brought to you by Test Instrument Solutions, or TIS as we know them. Now, they do multifunction testers, EV test adapters, they do all kinds of stuff from thermal imaging cameras, right the way through to continuity testers. Go over and check out their website at testinstrumentsolutions.co.uk. They are up and coming, and actually, they do some of the best kit on the market today. So go and check them out, testinstrumentsolutions.co.uk. Welcome to Monday Club. Yeah. Amy's back in the house this week. Yes. What are you saying, Amy? How is life? Uh, it's all right, thank you. Busy as usual. Good. What about you guys? All good? Yeah, well, I've, I did work last week. This is uh, oh, wow. shocking news. So, Not you good. know, about six months ago, I'd done some outside lights for a friend of mine um drive in drive out lights well they started tripping now what i've done is i run it all underground all the joints underground in whisker boxes filled with gel um but the problem is and this is what's really interesting about this job is when i did it in the summer obviously it was bone dry it was peak summer bone dry um and i buried everything to like the minimum requirements which is like 35 uh 35 centimeters or 350 mil um change of uh change of um soil like so sand tape the lot all done nicely i was so pleased with it anyway come forward fast forward to the winter well it's very clay like it's very clay where he lives um, and it's the water runoff is such a problem there that they had to dig French canals in their garden to get rid of the water, the sitting water in their garden at winter time. Well, no one told me this, and obviously something's tripping. So I've gone back to have a look at it, and uh, what had happened is you dig down to one of the boxes. I thought I'm going to p- pull up a box. Well, actually, it's sitting in water. So the water table had risen so much mm. that the boxes were sub- completely and utterly submerged in water. And it was like, you know, when you're at the sand, uh, sorry, at the beach, you dig a hole in the sand, you get down to a certain level, you, could, you can't get rid of the water fast enough. Mm. Well, it's the same thing. So I've had to raise them all up. And I had to use my engineering judgment on this. So what I did is I bought some slate, um, and I put a, a slate underneath it and a slate on top of it. So from like protection, if you like, told the client that I've had to raise it all up. It's only about that much under the surface, which is about two, three, two, three inches under the surface. Um, but I've had to protect the top of it from like, I don't know if a gardener puts a shovel in or something like that. It's a thick slate. You're not breaking through it. Everything's protected. But the water table is so high there that it doesn't matter what you do with those boxes, you will get water ingress at some point. That's annoying, um, isn't it? So I had to I had to move the boxes, the junction boxes up. Now, what have I learned from that? The, what I would say is I would never ever 
bury a junction box again if I didn't need to. What I would rather do is move it out of sight and just mm. have it on like a stake elevated out of the ground a little bit. Yeah. Because you're just That's asking for trouble. It's just yeah. nonsense. Like, I had about three faults. Um, I had two on one side and one on the other side. And it just makes you look like a div, really, because I, mm. you've come up with this solution. It's meant to be IP, um, IP67, isn't it? The, uh, whisker boxes, meant to be IP67. Um, and then the gel's meant to add that next layer of protection. And to be fair, it's just an absolute nightmare job. So I spent two, two, three days last week doing that. So that was my week. And to, to top it off, did you get paid for that or did you get it all free? Well, I had my expenses paid. Um, he is my friend. Um, you know, he's not short with a few quids um, and he's, he didn't want to see me out of pocket. Um, yeah. If it was a client, I wouldn't have a leg to stand on, really. But no. the interesting thing is, how do you... Listen, you there's, always... there's no way you can use any thought process that the tape, water table is going to call that high. There's no. just no way. And, and this is a whole thing. It's like the water table has risen to a point where, like, if you follow the regs, the regs become useless because the, the water table is so high. So what do you do? Um, I mean, if I had to extend it all and raise it all above the ground, then, you know, that would be, I wouldn't do that for free. Yeah. No, I know. That's what we do with the spike. So if I don't have, if I don't have to bury a joint, to be fair, I don't think I've ever buried a whisker box. I've always tried to do the through gel ones, like the armored sealed yeah, ones. Torpedo joints. Because they won't get water ingress, no. even if they're submerged in water. Um, but with the whisker ones, if it's, to be fair, if we can get the fitting in the, the cable entry into the, into the fitting, the connection. Yeah. If it's not, if it's just a spike light, then what we will do is literally two, three inches behind that, we will put the whisker box. So the soil, you could probably just still see the top of the whisker box through the soil. To me, if you put the light in, if it's within, I would say, a five-inch radius around the light, you, you, you're safe there. Yeah, I, I, th I think that's sensible. Um, I, you know, I know me, me and Mark, we spoke about that job. I spoke with Neil about that job. And it just wasn't a consideration. You just think, I'm going to do it by the book, exactly mm. by the book, make sure everything's 100% and uh, use the best products because budget wasn't an issue. Um, I just wanted to do it real, a real good job, walk away happy. And it was until it absolutely pissed down last week. Like, yeah. well, the last couple of weeks. Which it might not do that for another couple of years. Do you know what I mean? Oh, man. But everything, uh, I raised every single one up just because there's no point raising the ones in the water up because you don't know no. the water, water, water's water, isn't it? It gets everywhere. So that is my interesting story for last week. I just got a bit excited, mate. So it's a tricky one, isn't it? And like we said, if you can get them inside, was it bollard lights you put up, I think, from memory, wasn't it? Uh, well, no, not really. So what we had to do, we had to construct um, concrete plimps that buried just at surface level and then put a um, slab down, like a nice, like grey slab. And then we fitted these, they are like bollard lights. They're like, I don't know, 30 centimetres tall, IP67 yeah. rated so you, lights. So you couldn't get them in anyway, could you? Then that's, no. So you did, all you, you did all you could do, really. And like you say, you wouldn't expect that. So at least you've sorted it out now there. You've gone back like a good contractor you are and, and put it right. Yeah, uh, well, it was nice. Like, obviously, I haven't worked for a couple of weeks now, um, and it was nice to be able to like do a bit of work. Um, and it's always nice doing your own work, man. Not working for someone else, even though it's frustrating because you're going back fixing a job that you thought you'd never see again. Um, it's still nice to be doing like doing things at your own pace um, on your own money. It's it's a nice it's a nicer way of being. From that as well, though you've. What I like about that, as annoying as it is, you've the next time you ever do that, you've learned from that job. Yes. And that is. mistake will never be made again. Like, I'm no. trying to instill that in Adam every time we go to fix something, like what could have been done differently to prevent this for the next time. And then you've all of a sudden, you've got a list of five things for the next job that is previous done or you fault finding that someone else has done. We can go, right, we won't do that because obviously that was a failure last time. Yeah. So it's always a learning curve. It's, it's even down to the things like, um, in the end... I even siliconed every single hole, like inside the box first. I siliconed it, 
then I siliconed the lip, put a bead around the lip of the thing, regelled it, then squashed the lid down into the silicon, and then put a weight on top of it. Like that, that box, if it gets water in it, will be a miracle. Mm. Like I went in because I never want to go back. It's embarrassing for one and for two. Mm. Um, you just, it's just not, it's not professional. And that's the, and here at Monday Club, we're all about being professional. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> bringing me to a new point. No, I'm not going to. Right, um, Marco, what's new in your world this week? We've been doing loads of the ICRs, so it's just getting pretty much boring routine turn up test the house kind of thing because all sorts of other stuff's just stopped i don't know how you've been finding it nick but that's what's happened uh, with my little business we've had everything else fall off a cliff edge and um, we're just filling time doing eicrs so away from the day job apprentice one-to-one's been quite exciting you might have all seen that people have been donating all sorts of gear in to give away to apprentices so we've got 10 10 mfts now so 10 multifunction it's testers all ready to give away it is two have been given out already and it was eddie who started that so eddie clemens from pegasus he's the one who kind of came up with that idea and other people have jumped on behind him doing the same so that's pretty cool even just people offering up snips and screwdrivers and stuff it all counts and there's um loads of apprentices who are grateful for it so that's been a nice thing to be involved with so um, this, this and yeah just just, just trying just, to help s- hold on let's just take a moment for this like that's pretty amazing. You are yeah. basically a hub for apprentices now, where you're getting people helping apprentices in a way that's never been done in the history of the industry ever. Yeah. Like you're an you're a hub for apprentices is so well, it's actually it's it's fantastic. Is whatever superlative you can put to it is amazing. Like what you've done is incredible. It's 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 nuts. You've got ten MFTs to give to apprentices who need who are learning. You've got like you're hooking people up with jobs left, right, and centre. What are you nearly at four hundred apprentices um, being placed now? It's over four hundred now. Um, we was counting up again last week. I think it's over four hundred and fifty, but. I've not been keeping yeah. as good a track of it as I should because we've been a little bit busy with other stuff. But yeah, it's a lot of people. And like you say, it's not just that either. It's the um, employers coming forward who are asking for you know help with, with grants and how they take people on, what their actual requirements are, of how much time you've got to pay them for and stuff. So it's just trying to give that help and guidance. That's annoying though. And that, what you're saying is perfect. But what's annoying is when I tried to find this information out, it's nowhere. There's no definitive nah. answer on any pissing website, anyone that you talk to. Like, if I had known you, Mark, when I took Adam on the first time, you would have given me all the an- answers. Even speaking to his lecturers and all this sort of stuff, it was just like, oh, we might get this. You might- I don't want might. What's going to happen? What do I need to do? What box do I need to tick? What paperwork do I need? What PP? I wanted all this sort of stuff, and no one could give me a proper answer. I think, it was I think yeah, you're dead right. I think Apprentice One to One. Um, is an incredible thing, and I think, like, without blowing smoke up your ass, but with blowing smoke up your ass, I think mm-hmm. your um, your impact on the industry will well, ever sit there. Hundred percent, massive, massive. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And I couldn't, I can't I even couldn't put it believe. Yeah, when we spoke, because I rang Mark the other day, we were both doing the ICRs, of course. <laughs> and uh, when I said when we spoke, it was like two days later after I mentioned all of you lot on the video, and I had about six messages direct saying oh what's this guy what's his number what's his name so i passed all the instagram stuff and mark said well how many people rang you i was about 100 people almost straight away in in touch through uh, youtube it was coming from everywhere they were hitting me up on my business website saying nick bundy's giving me your details not mentioning from the video they just said nick's like fun giving me your details (laughs) there was about 100 people within a couple of hours and that's continued i still i'm getting messages now saying just seeing you on nick's video um, it's crazy. And, and it, it? I need this help. Yeah, it's mad. it's mad. I met um Corey today, who you hooked up with. I think you say artist hand. Huh? Oh, at, Syn- at Synergy. Yeah. So I work with them yeah. again today, but I work with his other team. So um not on the smart home side, on the just the electrical side. So I met Corey and we were talking about you and um he's so happy. Like and like the guy who owns the company, Manny, he's really happy as well. Um so yeah. 
he's, that's cool. he's that so, nice. so dedicated as well um i was talking to him today like he has to get he has to get up at the crack of dawn um and get a train and a bus to meet them because they didn't you know there was nothing closer to home but he's willing to do it and he's he's really happy and yeah happy that you saw it helped him sort it out so yeah just a bit yeah, yeah it's, it's nice i like i like getting all the dms that you'd actually you know that's been through the whole experience and to hear how happy he was and settled so yeah thanks i, I just think what you've done there mark again just unbelievable it's an unbelievable resource for apprentices now um and employers alike i mean you've got all the information in one place that um you know it's just an incredible thing you've done mate and i i really hope that like one of the big players in the industry come and like support you like see if they can offer admin or something I, like i know that yeah. you are probably running at capacity for what you can do now pretty much yeah that's a fair fair thing to say you know it often goes on till like midnight one in the morning they're trying to catch up with people and i, I feel a bit bad sometimes because they're left waiting two or three days sometimes but you know it's just the nature of what it is so if there is people out there who can help with administering it as it moves forward into whatever it might become that would be nice there's, there's a lot of people out there willing to help they just don't know yet and perhaps uh, perhaps we'll we'll make this a, a bit of a thing now um moving on from that although it's awesome and we could talk about it all night. Um, I'm bored of blowing smoke up uh, Mark's arse. Now keep going, mate. I'll carry on for a bit longer. No yeah, turn. one and true you deserve, though. One and true, What else is new? What's new in the world of Mark? What, what, is, a, what is a technical thing you've got to... Oh, no, before we talk about that, let's talk about social media today. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a good week. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for asking. Yeah, no, I bought... <laughs> oh, for Milton Ingots... <laughs> no, but listen, no, let's talk about social media today. You'll love this. Um okay. so and it and it ties in with your EICRs and, and stuff like that. Um so there's a couple of people on on Twitter today talking about um so obviously Jordan from Artisan was saying that he charges £384 for half a day to do an e- EICR, I think. Including that, that's what he said. So 320 quid plus fat. Yeah. Is that all? (laughs) And and, and then uh, someone else on there, Adrian Davey, we know him as Pure Electrical um, or Pure Electrics or whatever it is. Um, And he's a real real nice guy. Does a lot for a lot of... of, uh, I've seen some of his videos on Sparky Ninja's Facebook group. uh, Yeah. Yeah, they, they They seem informative. Um, and he he did actually say like, are electricians worth that much? And I I I, I think, you know, who should electricians be capped? I don't think so. I think someone like Artisan, who's got the provenance of his videos, he's obviously uh, he obviously comes correctly, comes well well prepared. You know, you kind of pay for the service you're getting. Um, and I don't think I'd, the value of electricians shouldn't be capped by one person's opinion. Opinion, yeah. If you like, the thing is, you can do: do you cap it up or do you cap it down? Because equally, you've got a race to the bottom, but you've also got a race to the top, which isn't really a thing. But the thing is, with Jordan, and I've tried to say this to my customers with my videos, people that know me through the videos, whatever, he and me can charge more because people have seen the way we work, seen our ethic of work, everything that we do, and they can go, I want you. I know you'll do a good job. And we can go, no, oh, I charge you more. Not that I don't do. Like, it's not a thing around here, but Jordan can. He has the backing. He has the image. He has the name. He has the people that work for him. He has everything going for him. So why wouldn't people want to pay more for him? It's end of the day, he's an electrician. I'm an electrician. You could buy a handbag that's from Primark or a handbag that's the same thing, which has got Gucci on it, which costs you £4,000. It does the same fucking thing, but people can charge more because it's got a brand name. To the point, that's what Jordan can do, but he has a very good reputation, which leads on to everything else. So he can charge what he wants if the customer's willing to pay for it. It's then up to them to get another quote and go, actually, I'd rather pay less. That's your choice. I think I think I absolutely agree. Um, I don't think there is a limit to what you should pay for an electrician. Same as there's not a limit to, like you say, what you pay for a handbag or, you know, 
a, like a car. Like yeah. you can go and buy a Skoda or you can go and buy a Ferrari. It's, Gets you from A to B, doesn't it? It does the same thing, but mm. one's better than the other. It just is. But then you could pick it apart and go, Jordan could do what is a 99% EICR. I know there's not a real thing unless you do everything like we've said before, but you could just get Joe Bloggs who does a £95 EICR test 15% of the house badly, doesn't inspect the loft, but on that piece of paper, it says satisfactory. It's the, the level of um, EICR Depend- that a person wants to pay for. Also, I don't it's know. It's a good business decision for people to, I suppose, to be associated with a brand like Artisan. Do you know what I mean? Because it's a, it's a decent brand to be associated with. Yeah. Um. My my biggest gripe is you know, people saying electricians aren't worth that money. I'd argue that's pretty. Like I'm not saying I could command that money. I definitely couldn't. Um. You know, I don't think many could command that money. But to say that no electrician's worth that money, I think it's a little bit, little bit naughty. Yeah. And it depends what they want. Sorry, Mark. Yeah. I was going to say it depends region to region as well. So, I mean, up, up here we'll have a certain um, rate that is considered the market rate for for an EICR. And down in Cambridge, in the posh part of the world where Artisan lives, it's probably a bit more. That's just the nature of, you know, the prices yeah. in general for everything. You can still buy a house up here for like 100 quid, can't you? So, I mean, it's, it's relative to the area to some extent. But at the end of the day, we spoke about this before, haven't we, Sam, um, going back? Like from when uh, Neil and Rick were on here to do with value and what you charge based on your overheads and stuff. Artisan will have a, a certain level of overheads in his business he needs yeah. to cover. And if that if that he figure will. is 380, whatever equipment it is for half a day, that's his business model and it's his right to charge it. That brings me on to his rewire video. Is If you've not watched it, he did a rewire. And don't get me wrong, I like Jordan. He's a very clever guy and he's a very good electrician. But what gets me is his price and stuff because he did a rewire. It took him two and a half weeks to do a five bed house. I don't know how. I really I had that many comments and it was that many comments in the section saying you got Adam Nick to do it in four days. In fact, we would have got it done. But he went through the pricing of it all, all this sort of stuff. He charged eleven thousand pound plus VAT. Don't even get me started where that number come from. And he said because it was a pain in the ass, it took so long with the manpower. He made a thousand pound profit because his overheads are so high. He employs what is it, five people now, an admin, a video editor. He doesn't even own his own wall chaser, which he said, people picked up on it. Like he said, he's got no place to keep it. I don't see how, because the amount of money he's charging, how has he not got what I have got? I've got a unit. Like he earns a vast amount compared to me, but I can still afford one. But he has got so much stuff he's got to pay for in the background. He has to charge that money. He has to. And I I hate to see the point if work ever dried up he would be in deep trouble with it. It's the nature of how you set your own businesses up. I mean, speaking personally, we charge about 250 quid plus of that for any ICR of a similar size to what um, Jordan was alluding to. And, um, you know, speaking from a kind of letting agent point of view, we've got a customer now who was paying about 100 quid a go for his EICRs, um, but he had a, a plastic consumer unit set on fire and um, the fallout from that was that it wasn't noted at all on a, on a prior report. And they had their pants pulled down and you had to cover the cost of that towards the landlord. So now the cost of the ICRs are kind of secondary to what the maybe ones were before. So people who've been down the road of paying for the race to the bottom kind of testing um, only see the value after a problem, don't they? And, you know, somebody who's charging good money like like Jordan is, we should be holding them up as a, an example as what we can all aim towards doing um, if we build the industry up. Yeah, if we build the industry up together rather than knocking him because he's making too much money. I don't, I don't, it's yeah, like the logic of British people, isn't it? See someone it's who's having jealousy. a bit of success and we, we want to chuck mud at them rather than, you know, let's, oh. let's, let's try and support them and do the same ourselves. I agree because I I absolutely love hearing stories like that. If you can, if you what, if you can cop like seven hundred quid a day, seven hundred and fifty quid a day doing EICRs, mate, you've got it. That's a lot. Of it would, money. It would, to me, it would make EICRs actually interesting. Yeah, yeah of course, I'd love to do an EICR <laughs> yes. house. I'll come tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, like that, that's that's not a bad life. The the reality is, he's got a lot of overheads, like you say, and probably you know he's probably not making much more than. 
he's probably doing all right. Let's be fair. Yeah. But you know, with his overheads, he's probably not making anywhere near what people are thinking he is out of it. Yeah, yeah. But he's doing well. He's got a name for himself. He can go out there and he can he can he can do what he likes. Good good luck to him. As long as he's as long as he's providing that value that people are paying for, then there's no problem, is there? Is it? Everyone people goes into the contract it. with their eyes open. If they don't go searching around for a better price, then that's on them. If they want the best or what's perceived to be the best and the most valuable, then you go to someone like that or me. Mm. It's up to you. I'm available for EICRs for £750 a day. Just saying, FYI. (laughs) At the company I work for um, three days a week, uh, they charge probably a similar price to you, Mark. But I know people in our area that are doing them for like 60 to 80 pounds. Um, and I go to a lot of houses around here and I always put, oh, I put pictures on my Instagram. I don't know if it's just me. There's, there's just so much crap work in the area where I work. So last week I was on a job for two days doing remedial work from an, from an EICR. It was the, this house was supposedly tested uh three years ago right when we went in it had no earth bonding to gas and water at all um it had the lighting circuits um had no earth right there was a 50 to 100 volts at every light switch the earths weren't connected anywhere and when we were taking lights down and stuff the work like the there was like open junction boxes and just connector blocks, like connection after connection after connection. And it, under the floors upstairs, there was just connections and boxes everywhere. It was ridiculous, like absolutely ridiculous. And then this is another something different. It made me really think like I had some I was talking to someone, uh, I don't know if it was last week on Instagram. He was sort of saying, um, basically, uh, you're, you know, you're not a real electrician. I was like, okay. Um, and I get this a lot. You haven't done an apprenticeship. You're not a real electrician. Okay, that's true. Sure. That as well. Me too. Me then. Yeah. Brilliant. And, and it, it really, it really, really made me think last week. Like, um, I know I, his name? His I know name? I didn't do it the traditional route. I didn't do the apprenticeship. <laughs> but I know that I'm producing better work than a lot of the work I see. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that, oh, you just do all these other courses, whatever, it's fine, you know, start apprenticeships. Because if I could do it again, I would have done my training young, Dan. I would have done an apprenticeship, definitely. But yeah, I, I agree with that. It, um, wasn't, it wasn't an option for me at the time. But, um, yeah, I just think I, if I'm happy with the standard of work I'm producing and my work's safe and it's good and I know it's good and I'm proud of it, and that's better than some whoever's done this job at this house and all this shoddy work. He, you know, he could have done it the proper route, and it's not producing work as good as mine. So it just right. made me when you've got people going, "Oh, you're not this, you're not that." I'm like, "Well, learning. what I will say is, are you an electrician?" Me? <laughs> I'm joking. No, listen, get it all the time. Um, there's people out there that work in um, who have done the level three course, um, the city and gills course, whatever, or EAL level three electrical installation or electrotechnical installation, whatever you've done. Um, and that is the base qualification for someone to sort of call themselves an electrician. If you haven't got that, don't talk to me. You're not an electrician. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, um, what I always say, and I've done a talk last week, I'd done a talk last week to a college, you see. Um, and <laughs> what I did say is, if you are a learner, you're, you should strive to get a gold card because ultimately you can go anywhere in the country on any building site and instantly get a job as an electrician. And it gives you options as a learner. Like that should be, as a learner, that is what you should be targeting is your gold card because it opens up doors for you for different types of jobs that you you might think you want to be a domestic electrician and then a bit further down the line, not enjoy that side, but enjoy doing tray and conduit and all that sort of stuff and want to go and do that. Let me cut you off. That's exactly the same conversation I had with Adam. So he when he first started, he signed up and did the first year at college as a standard three-year course like I did. 
and it was towards the end of the year because I missed a cutoff point to take him on as an apprentice from the start of the academic year. So we said, well, we'll, we'll wait till September. And so they gave you the choice. I said, either do an apprenticeship or just do the three years like I did. I'll still employ you. I will actually be able to pay him more money. I know it's my choice, but if he wasn't an apprentice or was either way. And we sat down and we talked to his dad about it quite a lot as well. It was either do the three years, be qualified as I am, do domestic what I do and what I'm teaching you or go for the apprenticeship, do the whole three years. Obviously it's more intensive. There's more exams. There's more stuff to learn. There's photos, there's diagrams. Like there's so much more involved with it, but you will come out the end way more qualified than me, mate. And you could literally go, see you later, Nick, go off to a big site, do whatever you want. And I pushed him towards the apprenticeship side, but he was more like, Oh, you know, I want to just do college. Cause it was just the easier life. I mean, his dad were like, no, do, do it the proper way. Good. Because I never got the choice. He has no. the choice. And and I think it's really important that people go for that because it's just the basis. It's the basics. If I got taught nothing. Hey. Genuinely. With a three-year course, Amy did the same thing as me. I got taught nothing. No, you, you won't. All off my own back. The bare yeah. minimum, like the basics. I've learned everything from people that I've worked with since, since I finished college. College... It was shocking. College is more about understanding the theory of the basic principles of don't lick this cable, it will hurt you. (laughs) Not you're not necessarily there to learn how to do a fuse board, really. That's why you need to have that practical knowledge. And then so what you do is you go there, you you learn some of the theory, you learn some of the practical, you go away, you practice that for the week, and then you go back and then you learn something new and you go and practice that. There's basics of how uh, an apprenticeship works. And ultimately, um people don't take college seriously enough when they're doing an no. apprenticeship. And then um some people take college too seriously and then don't do the apprenticeship properly and they do the 12-week course they come out they don't know their ass from their elbow they've got an idea because they've been in the workshop and they but we all know the difference between putting a a a board up on this wall uh, or board up under the stairs with a million other considerations to take into account is night and day it's true the, the, the problem is when we turned up and it's not the college's fault the funding isn't there and i can't stress that enough like i'm not ribbing my staff at college for the stuff i learned 11 years ago they gave us what they had and that was it and this is why i did a video when i first started youtube is trying to get loads of free fuse boards tools everything i can to give the staff at college and go here you go because adam was still fitting the same fuse board that i fitted 10 years ago with no screws in it no knockout all the knockouts out a mix of mc breakers like there was just crap so that's when i gave loads of stuff and they were like best thing ever started fitting rcba boards like they was just playing with it and showing the lads but it's not their fault because they don't have the funding and the teachers can only do so much what they've got but equally you can't go to someone right guys we're going to teach you today how to rewire a house everyone get your a-frame boards <sighs> there we go brilliant because yeah. it is absolutely nothing like that but that's no. another thing where it leads into i was lucky because my dad was in the building trade we knew electrician i got site experience straight away which led on to then getting loads of jobs to then pass through all the lads are just half the lads just none of their family are in the trade they have no idea what to do who to approach what to say how to write a cv or to approach someone how to do that that's where mark stuff comes in really beneficial for people that need to get site experience even if it's only a couple of weeks with a spark that is better than nothing because that'll at least teach you the principles of how to chase a wall out, how to chase a socket out, how to lift floorboards up, pull carpets, be, um, I can't even think of words today, Um, be respectful of customers' houses, you know, PPE, all that sort of stuff, which you just physically can't learn from sat in a classroom. No, it's impossible to learn. Because by the time a lecturer says that to you, you, lads are already like, oh, on their phones, and already giving a shit, like, and that's the way it was in ours. Or people, we had a guy grinding weed in the back of the classroom once. I was like, what are you doing? What's that? I was completely oblivious. I was like, what's he doing? What sweets has he got? And uh, that lecture was like, get out. I was like, what's, what's he done? And then they told me, I was still at, what's a grinder? I said, that's that app, isn't it? No, it's not, no, it's not, Nick. Oh, that app that you've got, Nick. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's as much as you want to rant about it, people like Mark is the way forward for the industry because there needs to be about 10 of marks for everyone to bunch together to help out. 
Yes, I, I think so. And I think um, if the industry starts realising the impact and just it's not like a silly little project that Mark's doing in the background, it's actually reaping real tangible benefits to people within the industry. And once once um, companies start realising that, um, like the big players in the game, like your your Wago and people like that, you know, I, I, I can see that they would want to help Mark. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? It's going to boost their brand. It's going to boost their brand. It's going to give Mark the help he needs and to further on the phone calls, the emails. I know what it's like with messages from YouTube, Instagram, bloody work. You cannot keep on top of it as a one-man band. For then Mark to do it to... Mine are just... No, no, mine are just messages people saying, I like the videos with a slight bit of advice or something. Mark's is about people's careers and livelihoods. It's completely different. So Mark has... Uh, now I'm not. I'm not getting triggered. It's fine. There's no signs there here. <laughs> there is a lot of people getting in touch, just like you say, who haven't had site experience at all. They've been doing apprenticeships for a couple of years now and just had no experience of working with anybody else at all. And they're kind of asking, you know, where can I go to get the chance of a, of a job of getting a bit of experience with someone? And there is a lot of electricians who've come forward and put themselves out there as available to take those people in just for a weekend here or, or a week there. We've put, you know, probably hundreds of people together like that who have gone off and done a little bit of work somewhere just to be shown how to wire a consume unit or, or test a ring final circuit. And whilst it's not ideal, it's better than nothing. Um, but it, I think it is time the industry got real with itself about how we are training people. Yeah. And we, we've spoke about it on the Apprentice One-to-One podcast. Sam had a, had a good episode where we, we discussed it. Yeah, and other people have come on and said similar kind of things. It's not an unknown, is it? But yeah, it's carrying on. It's still still happening, you know. I'm talking about other podcasts for a minute. Um, I want to talk about Fat Sam podcast. Um, I'm gonna just put it out there. Listen, I'm not getting enough I'm not getting enough views for the content. Listen, if you haven't listened to Duncan Thomas um saving uh, putting other people first, um podcast on fat sand podcast channel on youtube or anywhere you get your podcast from you are out of your mind it is i listened to quite... it today it was gripping genuinely gripping yeah. episode you need to listen to it it is listen i'm putting out some good content for once just go and listen to it please <laughs> oh, i'll tell you what i'm going to show I'm going to, I'm going to do a big what do they call it amy what do the kids call it now a flex it's called a flex. Well, Adam, no, she ain't no kid. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, you're older than me, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, the most the most spoiled apprentice, right? Okay. So that's my iPad that I use for testing on, and Adam wants to get more into it. So that's Adam's. What? Where's mine? So I got him. He thinks I did it all for him, but this this one does only Wi-Fi, but this one's the 4G one or 5G, whatever it is. So I brought it the other day and I, I showed him yesterday. I said, yeah, mate, I got you a, got you a present. So I, it's, it's funny because it's exactly duplicated, but it means what I'm going to do for the next couple of EICRs is we're both going to fill them out, mine, proper one, and then his, just so we can pick up the, the whole gist of how it is and how it reads the drop-down menu to make sure afterwards we can put them together and we can just run through stuff because that's the only way I can see of teaching him it without sitting on his shoulders, you know what I mean? I'm so, so jealous of uh, that, that young lad's apprenticeship. I know. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. He's so lucky. He's, he's got every single high-end tool you can imagine. He's been weighed right in and now he's getting iPads. <laughs> the best <laughs> iPads. <laughs> It's not. It's not. No, I've asked him. He doesn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, bitch. I don't want no, that. I want, up, I want that one. I yeah. want the grey one. Um, no, we we spoke about it quite in depth because I was more prepared to get it insured. I was going to get it wrapped or coloured so it sort of doesn't look white anymore. And um, first of all, there's no room for it at home on his drive like his dad's already got a van there's no room for it i said let's leave it in the unit and he was like we work together on every job i don't feel competent comfortable enough to let him go and do a complete job by himself he's in a first year level apprentice even though i know he could it's just not right yet especially in covid situations but equally we both enjoy working with each other so much and get so much done what's the point having two vans so 
the purpose of it is I think I'm going to do a Chris and a Nagy thing and I'm going to raffle the van off, I think. People can win okay. the van for 50 quid and then I'll put um, a percentage of it to mental health um, um, charity as well. Nice. So I need to get it organised and sorted, but it's not the best condition van. It's had 160,000 miles on it. It's had a new engine in the past. It. Well, it's had a brand new engine and turbo and everything in the past um, two years. So it's it's a good van. It's a good drive. It's just had a few knocks here and there. Um, but if you want to win a van for 50 quid, then it'll, I'll, I'll need to organise it and set it because it's just sat in my unit at the moment. So someone could win a perfectly working van with two van vaults in it and a rhino tube and roof racks for £50 at some point. Nice. I, might even, I might even enter. <laughs> <laughs> so what? I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it. Good van. It's a good van. Anyway, Nick, let's talk after. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. Um, Amy needs a new van. Have you seen the state of hers? It's red. Yeah, that's true, yeah. My van's perfect, thank you very much. Mm. Your van perfect could fit inside of my van. van. <laughs> so my van's small but perfectly formed. In every way. Definitely mm. not. Right, what is uh Mark, what's the hot topic this week, bro? There was a few things to pick from from social media this week. I don't know if anyone's seen the stuff going off on Twitter, but there's been things to do with air frauds and hot tubs and PME air voltages and all sorts. But the one I picked out from yesterday was to do with diversity. Doesn't exist. So they're, have... they're a dancing band, aren't they? Uh, yeah, the yeah that I, th- I thought they, they did well, didn't they? So, you know, yeah. I was going to discuss some of their moves. Uh, Sam what, about, um, what about uh, it doesn't exist, though, diversity? No, I mean, there was a very was, influential um, Twitter person. There was a suggestion that they this. don't, yeah. a suggestion that they don't believe in, in diversity. And I kind of get where they're coming from um, to a degree because, you know, you do always have that doomsday scenario in your mind, don't you, when it's Christmas and someone's got the electric shower on and someone's cooking a big Christmas dinner and then, you know, they might have an, an EV vehicle out on charge or something and you're worried about. Um, taking out your main service head or even if you've got a 15 kilowatts of heating on a 32 amp type B breaker I mean that was the example so there was a there was a 15 uh, kilowatt oven on a B32 breaker uh, as specified by the manufacturer and they were debating how that could ever work essentially and and the discussion kind of went along to do with diversity and how if you factor that in, it's um, perfectly fine. 15 so kilowatts. Yeah, I mean, if you look in the on-site guide, it actually tells you that you can put up to 15 Six, kilowatts. 62.5 amps. Yes. Didn't use but my if phone. If you put that on, that on a, on a B32 um, breaker or a 30 amp um, uh, fuse wire or breaker, then you can quite happily leave it sat there thanks to the diversity. And that's just the nature of how... Um, an oven of that type would work. You know, you have to think about are all of the heating elements on the hob likely to be at full whack at the same time with the grill and perhaps both the ovens that are in there? Is that ever a likely scenario? Is it even possible? Because you need to remember when they give these ratings on a lot of these um, products, it is just the overall load of everything that's inside the appliance and it's never actually possible to put all those things on at once. And this was actually yeah, yeah. spec in the manufacturer's documents that it's a 15 kilowatt um, appliance, but it would be, need to be installed on a 32 amp protective device. So if you stick into manufacturer's instructions, that's what you've got to install. Whatever your feelings towards um, its rating and what you think of diversity. Well, I've had this a lot on the videos because most of the time, if I'm ever doing a, a new kitchen rewire, I just fit, it's a standard now, just two six mil cables, one for the oven, one for the hob. That's it. If I'm going to chase people's walls out back to the fuse board, well, why wouldn't you to allow for future proofing in case they ever do an induction hob? And equally still, I would still wire up, even if it's a 13 amp oven, a lot of the time what I've been doing is just bypassing the, well, to be fair, if I'm doing an oven, I normally do the isolation in a cupboard next to the oven, and then I do a hob isolation on top for vice versa sort of thing. I'll be sticking a 13 amp plug on, plugging that in, because obviously it was over 2.4 kilowatt in ESSM circuit, to regs uh put it on a plug top and i do change it to a 20 amp in the board people are saying to me well, i could leave it as 32 but i like to change it to a 20 just to be safe um but everyone's like oh you can just using diversity you can put the hob halogen hob and the oven on the same one and it would work in theory yeah 
why the hell would we want to run that risk in case that theory doesn't work and it breaks? Like, I don't see the point. Like, why just, oh, using diversity, you can cut corners. It's there for a reason, but we're there to make houses safer, not to take the off chance that a calculation could be right. That was the kind of argument that the person had put forward as well, that, you know, they're going to be ones getting the call out when it has tripped and um, you look a bit stupid to your client, don't you? I mean, the diversity of your cooking appliances is your first 10 amps and then 30% of everything else afterwards. And if you've got a socket on the the um, isolator switch, you add an extra 5 amps in there. And you can connect a hob and an oven together on that same circuit. You, you're allowed to do it. So it's if you are designing and um, taking account of diversity in that particular uh, situation or not. I mean, the, the argument that you can expand from that is if you don't apply diversity onto a domestic property, your 23 kVA supply probably ain't going to be enough. You know, you need to be yeah. realistic. And when you, when you look at how the DNOs spec things, it's okay that they're putting a 100 amp head in your property, but the way they spec their supply cable isn't based on everyone drawing 100 amps through those um through those cables otherwise they'd have much bigger conductors coming out to every street and every house you know that there is they're, they're working on much smaller numbers than that if you actually dive into it the figures that they were from are quite small um we've, we've clamped some houses and, and done data, data logs on them and you'd be surprised at how much of a um small load most domestic premises consume yeah. you know it's not that much it's, it's just for that doomsday period where it might be an issue, and if you're the contractor who's installed it and then it trips on Christmas Day, you're not going to be very popular. And if you want to price and install your um, circuits in a way that you avoid that, then fair play to you. I've got no argument with it. So yeah. I, I, it's, it's funny. Um, the peak of the energy usage in the UK on off the grid, so the UK peak energy usage from the grid was... Um, something like 97 or something like in yeah. like the mid nineties, because after that, everything started getting energy efficient. Do you remember like when Philips brought out them, what was they? There's like a fluorescent light bulb or the twisty one. Yeah. Yeah. The, the energy saving ones. And like, they take like half an hour to get fully bright, but once they, those all right, once they was on. Um, and then that sort of started off the revolution appliances started getting more efficient then you've got the grading of the appliances and i listened to a podcast um quite a while ago fully charged podcast it's all about evs and renewables and stuff and they had a guy on from the from the grid talking about it and he said like compared to what we used in the mid 90s compared to what we use now it's it's down by many many factors yeah you can, you can believe it, technology, you? everyone's getting better. Yeah, and you think how many uh, solar powers, uh, solar panels are in now, wind turbines, just domestically owned private ones yeah. that are. My neighbour just had his fitted, and he was like, "Yeah, this crap at the moment because it's winter." But he's worked. He's a very clever man. Once it gets in the full swing of things, he said, "I'll be drawing absolutely bugger all from the grid, and they'll actually be paying me." Well, I was like, not just that. If he uses a battery, he can actually store the off-peak. I know he has. Or, he's got a power wall. Oh, he's got the power wall. So, yeah. yeah so, not the Tesla one, but another yeah, manufacturer one, yeah. Other brands are available. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but what they're saying is, like, you can basically store the, the energy in those uh, those battery packs and then just have it as and when you need it to top up. Another Yeah, another cool thing that was said about the wall, because I was meant to be filming it when it was being installed but work got in the way all the batteries that are used for these power walls are actually old um, electric car batteries that are below a certain percentage as they can't be using the cars but they get recycled top back up to use as power walls so they're all being recycled so they're going to landfill i thought that was that's a cool incentive that's pretty epic yeah because the crystallization is what stops batteries from um being at their peak so these i think they're lithium batteries what happens is when you charge them, there's certain part of certain part of it that starts crystallizing, so you never get the full hundred percent. So over time, the more it crystallizes, I think it has like a certain point where it stops crystallizing, but then it becomes you'll only ever get like ninety seven percent 
and that's yeah. no good for the car or whatever. So the the battery's ninety seven percent good, so you might as well use it on something else. So yeah, it sounds pretty awesome actually. What's going on? There's a lot of good stuff going on, um, and definitely my favourite company leading the way. Don't sponsor us. Um, are my energy? They are leading the way. They're they're Eddie device that sort of takes power from one part, transfers it to another. You know, spreads it all out around the house. Um, it is just an amazing bit of kit. And, you know, they're a British-based company, all Brit- all designed and built in the UK, and they lead the way in that, really. You think this is they're what it's like now? You think 10 years' time? Oh. It's going to be unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right. You lot will be a retirement age, then. Well, <laughs> 10 years' time, I'll be uh, 48. So, you know, I know. Old. I'm going to die soon. But um, listen, who else, before we wrap up, and I know it's the end of the show, I should have probably done this earlier, who else has started the uh, 28-day challenge? Have you really, though? I didn't eat till 2 o'clock. So I oh, you're odd. <laughs> no, I forgot to eat. Too so busy making those... ingots. Yeah, too busy <laughs> making ingots. Um, so for those of you who don't know, myself, um, Matt Thomas and Duncan Thompson... Um, we come up with a 28-day challenge um, that anyone can do of any fitness level. It just requires <sighs> mindset, really. You just got to just got to have a powerful mind to get it to see it through. Um, get up at five, mile walk or run, ten press-ups, ten burpees, um, shower, cold shower. Um, so you don't have to have the whole shower cold, but you have to finish and submerge submerge yourself in the shower for and as long as you can take it in the cold shower come Five out seconds that's why i lasted <laughs> yeah i've mastered it now i can sit I, i'm i'm good but i've got a lot of lot yeah of i was gonna, i wasn't going to say that sound now but i've got a lot of surface area as well so relax um <laughs> heat dissipation yeah so uh, and then you can't eat until one o'clock and then you can only eat from then until 8 p.m. Oh, no. So you missed dinner, biatch. <laughs> it's good for you. It's good for you. That's all you need to know. It's good for you. I, I, all I ate today was a stupid, like, rustler hot dog thing that I warmed up in my unit in the microwave. And I thought, well, the Ralph's made the dinner. Oh. Well, you can, you can break and go and eat it and be a bitch. Or you could see it through and be hard like me. Bush. Or wake up at three in the morning, raiding the fridge like my dad used to. Dad, what are you doing? Shh. We're on a diet. He's the, he, I'd see him getting slices of ham up, putting mayonnaise in it, rolling it up, and then walking back up to bed. <laughs> Dad, what are you doing? Shh, don't tell your mum. <laughs> right, idiots. Um, listen, it's been a good one this week. Um, we welcome Amy back into the fold. Um, and yeah, EGTE. No, that's not us. Monday Club, we're out. <laughs> so, what's I'm doing? There we go. Oh, it's like this now, is it? I'm on the telephone upside down.